If you were two and seven, you'd be in a bad mood too. Oh, he has trouble with the snap, and the ball is free. And... Oh, he hits the upright again. That's impossible. Get your mouth shut. Get your mouth shut. Jerk. The Bears' season's going to end on a double doink. If worms had machine guns, then birds wouldn't be scared of them. Presentation of the Limpicus Podcast. I'm Pete. My name is Ryan. I know. Well, this so is weird. the Limp Dickus <laughs> Podcast. We're just a couple Yankee ne'er do wells united by our hatred for the Chicago Bears and University of Michigan football. <laughs> if you can't tell, I am from the South my whole life. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm sorry for anyone who is just now joining us for the first time. We are definitely not Southerners, but. Somehow Brian Kelly thought he was, which made me fucking laugh, and most of the world laugh this week. We'll be talking about that. We'll be talking about the final college football rankings. We'll also remedy that situation with our own final limp six for the year and talk about our six-team playoff system that we've been promoting all season. Uh, We've got bowls. Bowl assignments, uh, Fiesta Bowl and Peach Bowl, respectively, for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish and my Michigan State Spartans. Uh, we have a Heisman snub that I have to go on a rant for at some point. So uh, after that, we will jump into pro football action, talking about the Cowboys and a Lions victory for the first time in 364 days. So let's go ahead and kick this motherfucker off. <laughs> Well, I think we need to get into the the biggest news story of the of the year, the final college football rankings. Uh, took all season, but we finally got to a real ranking show, Selection Sunday this past Sunday. Uh, the only one that mattered. Everything prior to that was a complete fabrication, just for pure entertainment, clickbait uh, to sell some ads. All of it was meaningless. Uh, until Sunday, and we got our final rankings, and I don't think anyone was too terribly surprised with the final four ended up being. Maybe the order in which they were. I called it perfectly. Yeah, It's captured on Twitter. (laughs) I've seen it. Many have seen it. Uh, Yeah, so Bama, after really throttling, beating the fuck out of Georgia in the SEC championship game, took, took over the number one slot at jumping up from number three, jumping right over Michigan. Um, that was a bit of a surprise, maybe. Um, clearly not to you, but there was an argument to be made for Michigan who easily handled Iowa in an embarrassing Big Ten championship game where somehow Kurt Ferentz and the Hawkeyes thought they could punt Michigan to death, and that did not work out so well as Michigan just trounced them, essentially. So you could make an argument where Michigan would be the number one team having been number two the previous week. Um, I see. I mean, I guess I'm not surprised that Alabama gets favorable treatment from the committee. Cause we've seen that over and over and over again. Um, Georgia drops to number three, essentially just so we don't have to see the rematch God, yeah. for the first, first round. We might see it in the championship of course, but um, I think that was they, they say they don't do those things, you know, for matchup reasons. But we know we know what's going on. <clears throat> Cincinnati, number four, the first group of five school to ever make the playoff, which is momentous. Not not surprising, considering they are undefeated, the only undefeated team in the country. Um, I guess I think uh, I mean, if we want to talk about our rankings, I think ours would be fairly similar, except, you know, we've had Cincinnati and Georgia number one and number two for many weeks because they were the only undefeated teams left. So I think by logic, we'd have to move Cincinnati number to number one since they won their game. And now they're the only undefeated team left in the country. Is that, is that where you were, your head was at for our final? Yeah, ranking? I had, you know, yeah, I went Cincy one, Michigan two. Yep. Bama three, Georgia four, Notre Dame five yeah that's... and then uh michigan state six 
Wow. I, yeah, I think after what Baylor did, you know, Baylor winning the, the big 12 championship over, you know, really Oklahoma state was going to be in, had a chance to make the, the real playoff with the number four ranking possibly if they had won that they came an inch short, basically, were, were you watching that big yeah. 12 championship? Uh, that was a fun game. That was probably the best game of the best game of Saturday by far. Um, I was going to move Baylor to to number six. I, I was definitely going to have Notre Dame to number five. Um, I was going to put Baylor in. I didn't think of Michigan State just because they didn't even play in a championship game. Um, they would have the same record as Baylor, I guess. Um, no, Baylor would have one more win. Uh, they finished eleven and two, or State's ten and two. Uh, I appreciate the generosity of you throw my team in there, which would be good. For I mean, them. they beat the number two team in the country. That's true. That is true. Which would no also, one else has that on their resume. Which would also be my favorite thing of of the playoff of this season. It, I'm I'm actually you know we are united by our hatred for University of Michigan football, but I think the fucking funniest thing that could possibly happen is if Michigan actually somehow won the national championship this year. And yet Spartan fans could hold it over their head for all time. That, no, we beat you that year. So what, what does that really mean? <laughs> whoop de doo <laughs> I think it'd be so great for them to finally have that. And Spartan fans would just always have it hanging over I, their head. I don't think uh, I would. Uh, eh. Nah, I'm, I'm good with Michigan not winning anything else. For the rest <laughs> yeah, of the I mean, year. it's a, a double-edged sword right there. But yeah, like yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess... Our final ranking. I mean, I, I'm fine with Baylor too. I just like, I was like, I was like, why not put MSU six? They beat the number two team in the country. I think it'd be hard to put Michigan State ahead of Ohio State if they have the same records, both ten and two, and Ohio mm. State beat the fuck out of Michigan State. So, and I'm and I then wanna... Michigan beat the fuck out of Ohio State. It's all like, all, <laughs> it's all the transitive property. Yeah, it's all. And who did what later? I don't know. Well, yeah. I, Again, Fuck Ohio I, State. Yeah, Ohio State's not making our top six. Let's that's just probably... let's just remove remove my suggestion and go with Baylor and call it a day. Yeah, that, that's what I, that's where I was going to go with it. I think, um, and I think that's that's fair. I think the whole point we've we've called this a limp six all year, and it's it, instead of doing our top ten every week or top twenty five every week, which would take hours. Uh, six is a good number, but mainly because we're proponents of, or at least I am. I think I think you've joined joined aboard the the six team playoff ship. Um, I've, you know, I kind of really enjoy the four team playoff, but I know people want more. I just don't want it to expand. You know, eight would be the extreme limit, but people are talking about a 12. Yeah. They're talking about 12 to 16. And I'm just like, that's too much. Well, it wrecks, you know, the last two weeks of this season were really de facto playoff rounds, uh, you know, of the regular season. And the whole season is basically a big playoff, you know, maybe a double elimination. You can lose one game, but you can't lose two games over the entire season where if we go up to 16 teams, it's going to be, you know, there's potentially even four lost teams that could make it. Because you'd have conference tie-ins, you know, you know, every conference champion would get in. Then you'd have some at-larges. The only plausible one, I guess, would be that the eight-team playoff, where you put all all five of the major conferences, basically their their conference championship games of the first round of the playoffs, because each of those winners then gets the automatic bid. So you'd have five automatic bids and then three at-larges. I could live with that. Um, I like the six-team system just because you could reward the number one and number two teams in the country. Uh, yeah. With, with a buy with bye weeks, then that number one and number two <clears throat> mean it, it tangibly means something. And I think that'd be, that would be pretty awesome. And again, it, it could be a, you know, a playoff committee just like we have now. And they would just determine who's number one and number two. I think this year it's pretty clear, you know, in their rankings at least, that they would put Alabama and Michigan as those number one and number two teams. I don't think there'd be too much controversy about that. Then you'd have uh, essentially three versus six and then four versus five. And so you'd have uh, in their setup, it would be Georgia versus Ohio State and Notre Dame versus Cincinnati in the rematch. This is, goes back to how they can manipulate things. I think they would switch those around. I think they'd move Georgia to number four. So it would be Georgia, Notre Dame, and then uh, Cincinnati, Ohio State for the Battle of Ohio. 
Uh, and then the winners of each of those uh, face off against the number one and number two seed. So I think that's cool. That only adds one week to the whole the whole playoff system too. So I think that's a plausible one. So I think that'd be pretty cool. I guess in our scenario, we'd have Cincinnati and Michigan um, one and two with a bye week. So we'd have Baylor versus, do we have Georgia at number three? No, Bama. I'm sorry. Yeah, we had Bama at number three. So that that'd, that'd be a hell of a match. Uh, Baylor versus Bama, and then Notre Dame in Georgia. Georgia. So either way, it comes it comes down to a pretty similar thing. But that that's where I I think that's a <clears throat> fun solution. If we're gonna if everyone's dying for expansion, I'd at least like to slow the rate of expansion because you know once we get six teams, they're gonna want eight teams. Once they want eighteen, once we get to eight teams, they're gonna want twelve teams. So. I think in incremental steps is the way to, if they're going to expand the playoffs, I think that's, that's the best way to do it. And I, again, with the end goal of keeping it as, as small as possible, but I don't know. I think, I think that was a fun exercise. We we've done this the whole season long. I think we went through the, the whole process similar to the, the way the, the playoff committee did. We, you and I had different philosophies, but we kind of, stop butting heads at the end by, you know, we kind of just come up with a consensus. We know how each other thinks. I'm sure those committee members, you know, they didn't have to have really long debates after, after the first few weeks because they got to a consensus and they got to a group, kind of a group mindset mindset and a philosophy. So I don't know if that was a, a, a window into how the, how the playoff committee may or may not work, but it was fun uh, for us. You know, they're an interesting note on the final two weeks of their rankings. Their yeah. rankings this is the only only time this happened. The final two weeks were top six were exactly the way the BCS computer would have finished them. Interesting. Yeah. Well, they can look at that. They can look at anything they want. And maybe they just had that computer right there in the room with them as a, as a bit of a guide or as a tiebreaker or something else. Yeah. The you last two weeks, the last two weeks, the, it's exactly if they were using the old, the old computer, all the plugging in the, the different rankings and then the strength of schedule and all that, everything would have been exactly the same. So, uh, the irony. so now... Now, now I can't, I can't, I, I got to get rid of my bring the computer back because it really is just a bunch of computers in the room. They just brought the computer in. <laughs> so. Yeah, they're, they're just like, well, now the fun's over. Let's see what, how it should really be. But you so know, the you, computer would have had Alabama at number one. Interesting. Yeah, I saw the strength of record stuff. Um, and that's, that's a, some of what they, they trotted out there to show how Alabama should have been na- ranked number one over Michigan, number two. I saw the strength of record, strength of schedule, all that stuff. And it, it was, and obviously it was, uh, advantage Alabama. So it's almost like they, they had that in their back pocket to justify everything or shoot down any arguments. You know, these people aren't paid. I don't believe for any of this. So it's not like they're, these are elected positions or they're, they're fighting for power or have to justify anything. Um, I think they're just, you know, they, they've got, some uh, financial, uh, you could say, financial ties to this, yeah, as they are associated with universities and conferences that profit off of these things. So maybe there could be some, uh, we've talked about the possible corruption or thinking of TV dollars as, as their, part of their decision process. But I think, I think at least this year and the way things worked out, we didn't get the anarchy the some of us were hoping for. Things kind of played out the way everyone thought. Um, I can tell you one one school that was looking for anarchy was would be your Notre Dame Fighting Irish, as if Michigan had somehow lost or if Alabama had gotten blown out or uh, if certainly if Cincinnati had lost, your your Fighting Irish would have made the playoff for sure, as they're knocking on the door at number five. Um, I'm sure you've got some thoughts about that. Yeah, I mean, uh, honestly, I just expected Alabama to lose. Georgia's defense is, has been incredible all season, and after what Auburn did to them, yeah. I'm like. This 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 is gonna be this is the the only difference is is Georgia has a functioning offense so this well, game they were is, a six and a half point favorite going yeah. into the game I mean everyone I mean, thought this, that and it's like this we're game all just is, fools yeah this game is is gonna be you know it's gonna be kind of a, a beatdown 
uh, for a George Alabama game, and it was. It started it just out 10 went, nothing, yeah. It just went the other way. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what uh, Saban did over the week, but sure wo- woke his guys up. Um, he does it every time to everybody, to Georgia specifically. I mean, Georgia yeah. just cannot get over the Alabama hump no matter what happens. And like you said earlier, I, I fear that we're going to just have to watch that again in a, in a month or so. In, yeah, I mean, the, the only, championship game. I'd rather, I'd rather, I hate to say this because I, I know they, I'm positive they can't beat them, but I'd rather see Michigan, Alabama, you know, or you know, in 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 that in the championship, my two least least favorite teams uh, besides Notre Dame, maybe. Yeah, but at least just like, because because like you different. said, Alabama yeah. has a way of just kind of owning Georgia at this point, and I guess Georgia, you know, when you I think when you lose the game and you're going for the rematch and it's that close, the losing team. In a in a weird way, kind of has the advantage because they're the ones who have to who are going to worry about making changes. Where the team that won will be kind of like, why don't we go out there and do what we do? do but thing, yeah, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, no one's. I, I'm sure a ton of people will watch it. I, I'm I'm I've become less and less interested in this now. If Cincinnati can somehow work some magic. And and do do what wow. would be deemed the impossible, and kind of really the great thing about Cincinnati um, doing something would be it's kind of be an embarrassment to the committee who who kind of had to begrudgingly I think put them as the number four team. Um, so that would be interesting to see. But since everything kind of went as is, except for the Alabama. Uh, when Notre Dame uh, is on the outside looking in um, might be better in, in the long run um, because of course we, we lost our, our uh, head coach and Notre Dame quickly, quickly they had a list of candidates. Um, we had a it, list of candidates. And yeah, well, they, by the time I put the podcast out, they had hired a guy we'd never even talked about. Yeah, well, uh, they took 35-year-old African-American defensive coordinator, Marcus Freeman, formerly of Cincinnati, for uh, four years of defensive coordinating over there, mm. um, and brought him, made him the new head coach in Notre Dame on a four-year, $2.5 million a year contract. Seems uh, to be an insanely popular move. I, I have seen no negative press about this. Uh, he seems like a charismatic awesome coach uh it seems like you know the the notre dame brand has gotten a million times cooler by in the week's time by losing it is unbelievable how losing brian kelly has managed (laughs) and his family and his family with their (laughs) i hope that loan went through for their house so they could afford to buy something savings and loan savings and loan he uh you know, we he left, and there's there's a lot of question marks, but it looks like Notre Dame has solidified it quite quickly by losing that Southern gentleman. All right, we can um, look the Southern accents now. <laughs> yeah, but Freeman, uh, I think that I, I, yeah, it's a super popular move. He's young. I mean, he's yeah. probably the young. I think he is the youngest hire they've ever had at 35 years old. Be, yeah. Um. What's even crazier, where this story got kind of crazier, was Reese was apparently like, Kelly's like, you know, let's go. You're coming to LSU with me. Their offensive Tommy coordinator, Reese. Yeah. Tommy Reese, former quarterback in Notre Dame. And then he's like, nah, I think I'm just going to stay and, and, and work with, with this coaching staff here. So mm-hmm. that's, a bit, that's a bit of a blow, an unexpected thing for Kelly. So yeah. now he's got to worry about hiring an offensive coordinator what I got excited about when he was hired before any of the games happened was the idea of the Notre Dame making the playoff and then actually winning a playoff game. Yeah. The first one without even just one, not wishing, not winning the championship game, just winning one playoff game would have immediately trumped anything, anything Kelly, Kelly had done yeah, as the head coach in one swoop. But Instead, 
we get the Fiesta Bowl, and while you and I were pulling for this podcast for the Michigan State Notre Dame matchup, because yeah, one, in a it's a storied rivalry that that has gone away due to uh, dollars and cents and TV contracts, and and I think Notre Dame's the one who pulled it off the schedule, so they're to blame oh, yeah. for it. Um, You're to blame for sure. Well, I, you know, Notre Dame looked at their their schedule and then said we don't have as many layup games in a normal schedule as other teams, so that's that's why they did it. I think it's a terrible move, but whatever. Um, in fact, if they had played Michigan State and Michigan this year and won both of those games, they'd be in the freaking playoffs probably yeah, right now. Lost themselves. So anyway, they only have themselves to blame for that. Athletic director. Um, was it Swy- Swybeck or something like that? Anyway. Um, but the reason I like this matchup against Oklahoma State is because it was kind of debated on here and it was debated in the playoffs and like did Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State had a better schedule. They deserve mm. to be ahead of Notre Dame. And now, you know, we'll see really who who is the better team. Uh, was, is Notre Dame a better football team than uh, Oklahoma State? And it's also uh, another measuring stick for Notre Dame. Like, where do they stand? You know, we know where they seem to stand against, like, Alabama, against Alabama and then um, uh, teams like Georgia and, and Alabama. But where do they stand against, like, a Big 12 powerhouse now? So... Um, another, another good measuring stick for them. Um, it'd be great to see in his first coached game in a bowl game for Freeman to walk away with the victory. And, and that, that would be impressive and that would be helpful for recruiting purposes too. Um, so far the 2022 class remains intact. Um, you know, no one's, no one's pulled out at the announcement of, of Kelly leaving. So we'll, we'll see the more, more to come on that. I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of time for, for people to decommit or, or, or whatever. Um, I think they would have to, they would lose a year of eligibility right now if they did that, but yeah, I don't know what um, the rules are about that. At this some, time. Something, something like that at this point in the game, but um, you've got transfer portal things. Yeah. There's lots yeah. of situations. There's all, lots still, of situations. But... So, so hopefully that class remains intact and, um, you know, it's it, in, in, uh, in the shadow of what seems sort of like grim and ridiculous. I feel like Notre Dame as to your point in a very weird way has become likable, uh, to a lot of people who don't like them suddenly. So, I have to raise my hand there. I mean, I, I'm in that boat. I, I've, I mean, I have personal things against Brian Kelly for doing similar things to my alma mater, Central Michigan University, 15 years ago. So he's also just not a very likable guy in general. And immediately, Marcus Freeman is a thousand times more likable. Uh, you can tell his, his players are 100% on board. I mean, the, the hype videos they're, they're doing it in his first meeting with the team as head coach were, I mean, it gives you chills almost how much fire, how fired up they are. But I mean, all of it, I guess none of it matters if, you know, if they don't go out and win games and yeah, right. you could have the, the most fun coach on the yeah. planet that everyone loves, but who cares? If, I mean, I think- I'll be, I'll be honest. I'd rather have a freaking asshole and have a championship at the end of the day. So, I mean, Brian Kelly determined on his own that he was unable to do that at Notre Dame and move to purpler pastures as we put it last week. And I I think he might find himself mistaken. Well, I guess we'll, we'll find out. It's, it's going to be a a fun test to see. And I, I have no love for Oklahoma state. So I'll be, I'll be rooting for the, the golden domers. Whoa, that's there's that should have been the lead. <laughs> it should have been the lead story. Forget the playoff. Smitty rooting for the Dover should have been the lead on tonight's podcast. Well, you tried to put my Spartans in the top six, so I appreciate that. So I'll return the favor by rooting for you guys. Uh, well, New Year's Day. Speaking of your Spartans. Yeah, well, you we talked about the Fiesta Bowl potentially being a matchup between Notre Dame and Michigan State, and that wasn't just wishful thinking on this podcast's part because it would have been great for us to discuss for the next month. Um, 
that was a that was a big top like a lot of pundits had that as a potential matchup and it you know right now it's number five versus number nine oklahoma state and state michigan state was ranked number 10 in the final ranking so yeah, i think it was literally that close it could have been michigan state just as easily but they moved i think they took the higher rank team or i'm not exactly sure how those things are determined like i know they all have to work out together if there's a bidding process where the fiesta bowl has first choice, you know, second choice, you know, if that rotates every year or how that works. There there used to be both, there used to be conference tie-ins. That has kind of gone to the wayside after the the playoff was formed in 2014. So um, it would have been great, but Michigan State is still in a New Year's Six Bowl, the famed New Year's Six, uh, which is a little misleading because State is playing in the Peach Bowl on December 30th, not on New Year's Day. <laughs> I'm not really sure where they get that from. So, I mean, it's trying to be as prestigious as the other New Year's Six Bowls. Uh, I'm sorry. I think of I think of the Fiesta Bowl as a step up above the Peach Bowl. It's that's another reason I'm not uh, quite as quite as amped. Um, about that other than the, the cool matchup we would have had against Notre Dame. Uh, another reason I'm not super amped is they're playing Pitt, uh, which is a strange match. They, they did win uh, the Atlantic Coast Conference, believe it or not. We didn't talk about Pitt hardly at all this year, mainly because, you know, the only reason we ever brought up the ACC is because of your Notre Dame tie-in. Yeah. But um, I just, I didn't even realize Pitt was any good. Um until mm. late. <laughs> uh, did they even play Notre Dame? Is that one of their losses? I forget how, who their two losses are, but. Uh, I don't, um, did they play Notre Dame this I year? I don't think they did. I mean, I, they should be. A, uh, I mean, you guys should win. They ended the season ranked number 12. Um, yeah. State's number 10. So on paper, it seems like a, a decent matchup. And I think it will be. Um, I think it's definitely a game that State can win. Uh, especially getting healthy over the next month. That was a lot of what they, they just suffered a, a massive amount of injuries. And they actually had a flu epidemic going through the, going through the team the last uh, week, week and a half of the season. So uh, with the whole month to recoup, uh, hopefully we get the offensive line back and certainly some, some health back in the secondary, the worst secondary in the nation. Uh, I think that that helps. Uh, the issue is, uh, Pittsburgh has a potent passing offense, which could be the Achilles heel for Michigan state led by, uh, Heisman hopeful Kenny Pickett. Uh, I had never heard of Kenny Pickett until Saturday when the whole world heard of Kenny Pickett for the fake slide that he used to his advantage in the ACC championship game where he, he feigned as he was on a uh, long run into the secondary, he acted like he was going to go down to slide to give himself up so he couldn't be hit by the defenders, but he didn't actually do it and fooled all the defenders around him and ran in for a touchdown, which is probably going to lead to rules changes and all sorts of stuff. But uh, I feel like almost uh, it's the only way I could explain why he is now a Heisman hopeful and has been voted as one of the top four recipients uh, to go to New York. Uh, I'll get into that in a minute. But uh, the other part of the Pitt-Michigan State matchup that is fairly interesting is Pitt's coach is Pat Narduzzi, former defensive coordinator for Michigan State under Mark D'Antonio and the famed no-fly zone defense where Michigan State actually had one of the best secondaries in the nation as opposed to the to the absolute worst secondary they have right now. So um, that's an interesting tie-in. I was actually thinking Narduzzi at the time, if he had just held on for a couple more years, would have been the heir apparent to Mark D'Antonio. So there's there's lots of interesting tie-ins. He hadn't done a whole lot with Pitt up until this point. So it's it's uh, interesting timing that he, he's finally figured things out there in Pitt and uh, just in time to face his former school in Michigan State in the Peach Bowl. Uh, the 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 huge elephant in the room, of course, with this matchup is how Kenneth Walker III is not going to New York this weekend for the Heisman ceremony. Uh, Unbelievable. I, I did not think he was going to win. Uh, I've been a homer for him all year long since game one against Northwestern. We ran for 200 some yards. Uh, 
many touchdowns. I, you know, kind of ingest from that moment, how it made him a Heisman hopeful. And as the season went on, it was obvious that he was and culminating in the 200 yard, 505 uh, touchdown performance against Michigan that we assume cemented him as at least a Heisman front runner or at least a uh, candidate, but if not the, the Heisman front runner at that point to now be at the point where he didn't even get a, an invitation to to New York is just ridiculous. In on top of that, there are no running backs in New York. Yeah, that that's that's what's there disturbing. Are, there on are this not, trend. Yeah, well, there are not one, not two, but three quarterbacks. And you know, I, you just look at the numbers. Bryce Young is head and shoulders above Kenny Pickett, and there's no reason for a third quarterback to be there. You. There is slight arguments you could make for C.J. Stroud over Bryce Young, but you don't need three quarterbacks to be in New York. I I like that Aiden Hutchinson is there. I think it's cool to have a defender amongst the four. Um, I don't think he has a chance to win it, but how can you not have the the nation's you know one of the nation's leading rushers? Obviously, the best uh, uh, top five school, top five conference running back. It's basically been a crusade against running backs in the Heisman Heisman Trophy race for at least the last five years. The last time we had a yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it's what it comes down to is the process. I think is flawed. It's not anyone's fault. It's uh you know not a not a conspiracy. It's not just that people love quarterbacks and hate running backs. It's how the process works. It's it's nine hundred some plus writers across the country vote for the Heisman and a lot of them just pick pick quarterbacks because it's easy to do and I swear the only way that that Kenny Pickett got in is because of the ACC championship game I can't believe more people have been watching Pitt football all year than Michigan State football I think it's I think it's literally prisoner of the moment they saw a guy you know have have an outstanding game on national TV and put him in there i just the idea that um kenny walker could have a a season a running season similar to derrick henry's in almost every way who won this won the heisman trophy six years ago and not even get invited to new york is ridiculous and i think they need just need to reevaluate the process they take the top four vote getters so you know they already know who won it um, it's got to be Bryce Young, by the way. I mean, I don't, you just look at his numbers. He's he's head and shoulders over everybody else. Um, I think they just, you know, they take the top four vote getters, and I have to believe that Walker was number five. And they have taken five candidates before, and they I forget what the criteria was that year when they did, and they were choosing not to this year. Sometimes they only have three. It might be the distance between... You know, if there's a large gap between, you know, three and four and four and five, or that, that's how they make the cutoff. But I've heard the the best suggestion I heard today is Detroit Sports Talk Radio has gone crazy over the last couple of days. Even Michigan fans think it's ridiculous that Kenneth Walker the third isn't there. They need to take maybe one, you know, of every category almost, and let them all go to the to the to New York for that. Maybe have one, you know, defensive player of the year, you know, there's the butt kiss award or whatever. There's all sorts of awards that are voted in a similar way. Have that be the process to get to the Heisman. Um, the, you take one running back, take one ride receiver and take one quarterback and one defender. And that that's your group that gets there every year to, to, to exclude that and to, you know, needlessly take three quarterbacks to New York. It's just, it's just it's stupid. stupid. It's stupid. You know, and it's not Kenny Pickett's fault. I, you know, I'm sure he gets to have, have, you know, he has fun in New York this week, but he knows he's not going to win. How right. how could you possibly put him over Bryce Young as a quarterback? It makes no sense. So, um, real quick, since we're we're talking about Pittsburgh, yeah, um, Pickett, and that the they one of their losses was at home to Western Michigan this year. <laughs> Their other loss also didn't come on the road. It came at home to Miami against Miami, who is not good this year either. Yeah. So, I mean, 
Their defense lets up a shit ton of points, dude. I, I think it's yeah. I think it's looking good for for you. Well, they're but... ranked number twelve. They're they're in the top twenty, top top teens near the end. They they've they've gotten to number twelve, which I has to be their highest ranking of the season after winning the ACC championship. Yeah. So they've 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 ridden ridden the wave and you know take advantage of being in a conference. Um I think the the matchup. I haven't gotten deep into it, and we've got time as we've got a month or no, we've got three weeks before the game. Um, I think I think on the surface, yeah. I mean, the they should struggle against Michigan State's offense. Uh, it's just a matter of Michigan State's defense being able to hold down that that passing attack. But you know, I think I think the way I, at least I'm viewing it. I don't know. I would think uh, a coach and a team would take any take advantage of anything they can, but I think Michigan state might feel a little snubbed by not getting the, the Fiesta bowl bid that was rumored uh, again with a little bit lower tiered peach bowl. I think uh, Kenneth Walker, the third and his teammates might be uh, feel directly snubbed by the, the Heisman atrocity and letting specifically Pitt's quarterback Kenneth, Kenny Pickett in over him. Um, I think those are a couple bulletin board things that they could use to their advantage beyond the, the the basic X's and O's. So, well, I'm sure we'll have plenty of time to get deeper into that. But I think I think you're right on the surface. Michigan State should be a favorite. I haven't seen if there's an opening line yet, or I'm, I'm assuming all those are out at this point. Uh, they're out. I didn't see what it was. But, well, we'll yeah. break that down in the next few weeks. So. That is all I have for now. Um, unless you had other college thoughts. No, I am done with my college thoughts. All right. Well, I think we should take a break here then on the Wordhole Media Network. Wordhole Media. Major League A Holes in the Hole Podcast, where baseball opinions are like assholes. Everybody's got one, and most of them stink. Find us at MajorLeagueAholes.com and anywhere you listen to podcasts. Well, the obviously biggest news in professional football this week is the Lions won the Super Bowl! <laughs> or so you would think based on the, the post-game uh, celebration in Detroit this week on Sunday. Uh, the way that... Uh, the Lions actually won their first game of the year. First game, not even of the year, in almost one year. 364 days between victories. Uh, the way that team celebrated was definitely fun to watch, but pretty damn ridiculous considering they are now 1-10-1. and one. Uh, The celebration included uh, Coach Dan Campbell grabbing owner... Sheila Ford Hamp throwing her into the air. Essentially, I, I thought he was going to break her. I didn't realize how tiny that woman is. She's in her mid sixties, maybe seventy. She might weigh sixty pounds, and he he looked like ten times the size of her. Picked her. I was I was fearful for her for her livelihood. Um, fortunately, she was uninjured in the in the melee. Um, there were tears. There were cheers. There was uh, liquids being spilled all over the place. The Lions players uh, clearly love their coach, uh, which is was super cool to see. And I'm, make, I'm making fun of it, but it, it was a nice thing considering how hated our previous coach had been by media, fans, players, everyone alike. Uh, I think I probably won't even mention his name ever again because it's it's needless needless to bring his name up again. So I guess it was refreshing to see uh, a fun uh, fun moment for the Lions. They finally got off the schneid. A little bit over celebrated, considering the the depths they're in. I can't imagine how a celebration of winning anything of importance might look if that's how they get what they do for one win. But it was funny. It, it was definitely a journey to get there to that first win. Um, many they could have won many games this season. Uh, they could have, yeah. Things have bounced the wrong way. They have shot themselves in the foot. Everything that could go wrong has go wrong, and. That exact same scenario had set itself up in one way or the other on Sunday, and Lions fans could see it coming again, how they would come up just short. But it didn't happen this time. Think things actually worked out despite their despite their greatest efforts to fuck things up again. Um I, I'm still not even sure what kind of coverage Minnesota 
Well, was in for yeah, that well, game-winning touchdown pass. I'm definitely I mean, going to get to that. <laughs> that was that was comical. That was the basically the the Vikings soling themselves. So, <laughs> uh, I'll get to that in a minute. But uh, Lions uh, actually pretty much dominated the game. They they took the lead in the first quarter, and by the end of the first half, they had finally breached the twenty-point mark. Uh, we're leading twenty to six, and they had not scored twenty points since game one. Yeah, that that was everywhere. By the way, yeah. the minute that happened, that 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 was like national news. I oh, mean, yeah. I think they broke into other broadcasts to announce <laughs> they scored twenty points. <laughs> the Lions scored twenty points. They uh, were ahead with uh, even four minutes to go in the in the fourth quarter. They. Uh, finally converted their first first down or first third down with uh, a few minutes left in the fourth quarter which is amazing uh that they scored so many points with ever without ever converting a third down so they uh overcame two jared goff turnovers in the fourth quarter which is almost impossible um they overcame uh another incredibly just bizarre fourth down call by Dan Campbell, Danimal Cannibal, as I like to call him. His schizophrenic nature about going for it or being ultra conservative is it's impossible to predict at this point. Um, when he goes for it, it is the highest risk, lowest reward situations versus the other way you should do fourth and fourth and shorts. And he compounds those by bizarre play calls. Uh, they had a fourth down with four minutes to go and a two-point lead at their own 28-yard line, I believe. And instead of you know doing a quarterback sneak to gain the six inches or relying on your beast of a running back, Jamal Williams, they call it, they do a play-action pass that Minnesota was 100% ready for and ended up, uh, I don't know if they called it a fumble or how they ruled that, but Jared Goff was completely fucked up on that play. Uh, it, regardless, it was a turnover on downs and gave the ball to Minnesota with, you know, le- less than four minutes to go, the ball deep in Lions territory. And that, that looked like it was going to be the game. The irony is it was almost the exact same scenario that presented itself on Thanksgiving, the game before against the bears, where we broke down how the lions would have been better off letting the bears score a touchdown and just so they could get the ball back and have a chance where instead they let the bears run out the clock essentially and kick a last second field goal and never got the ball back. Well, almost the identical scenario, except I don't know if they were allowing the Vikings to score, but the Vikings did score the touchdown with a minute or so left, thus giving the lions a chance. Mind you with Jared Goff as your quarterback, it's not much of a chance. Uh, Somehow, though, they were able to ride, ride the ride the arm of Jared Goff down the field and had had the ball uh, fourth, uh, first and goal, had four shots at the end zone with time running out and blew the first three until they had uh, one play with four seconds left from the 11 yard line and. You know, while most defenses would guard the goal line in this situation, somehow Minnesota rushed three and dropped eight, and basically they all guarded the goal post. <laughs> they all went to the back <laughs> of the end zone. Where, you know, that's like a 20-yard pass for Jared Goff, and that is not his forte. The only thing, the only option Jared Goff really has is a you know a short slant. And that's exactly what the Lions did right at the goal line, the eleven yard slant. Minnesota didn't didn't do bump coverage with their all their eight backs and let just let an easy score for uh, Mon Ross St. Brown. Uh, I always forget his name, but uh, it, it, was, it was so bizarre that like I was watching the game. I I was standing up. I didn't know what happened. I assumed just because I'm a Lions fan that they had dropped the ball or it was just incomplete. But the announcers, I felt like, thought the same thing because they didn't yell out touchdown right away. They didn't yell out complete pass. I finally saw like uh, another lion running towards him with his arms up. I didn't see any referees with their arms up signaling touchdown. 
I don't know what the hell was going on. There was so much disbelief. Yes, it was. It was unbelievable that they could actually score on that because it was just obvious they were going to get down there and then the rug was going to get pulled out from underneath them. But it did not happen this that that tragic way. It actually worked out. So uh, just a bizarre win. Uh, we will take it. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, was it Mike Zimmerman? Minnesota yes, coach? yes, yes, Mike. Uh, Mike, my great defensive coverage. You rush three, drop eight, and and let everyone run so they're into so they're able to fall into the end zone for a touchdown. I mean, it really couldn't have been easier. It was the perfect it, defense called to let the Lions win. I don't it, I don't know how else to explain it. it it's similar it was very much similar to when you watch a, a defense drop back on a third down and they're they're all past the first down marker. Yeah. <laughs> so basically saying if you want to run we want to run right towards the first down marker and turn around. You've got an easy, an easy throw and catch, because 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 we're five yards off of you. How are they not guarding the guard the goal? The, the closest just... the closest guy to your receiver was at least two yards away. He got which, there by the time the the ball was which, there, but he was yeah, way which, behind him. It was wide open. It was yeah, a which, wide open slant. It was which, easy which all you can hope for is that you prevent the process from being completed yeah, by hitting them hard enough yeah. to knock it out. I think that was it's part of terrible. the part of the confusion and the announcers beyond their disbelief was the, the way the camera angle at least was he was directly like the defender was obscuring the vision, you know, how you could see yeah, the, the defender the was more to the side yeah. of the receiver than he was in any position to make a play. I don't know. I can't explain it. Uh, all I know is it feels like, uh, again, that Minnesota SOL themselves and, and gave the Lions a victory, a much needed victory. I can celebrate this victory, even though I've been, you know, rooting against victories just to make sure they get the number one uh, draft pick next year. But they are still in sole possession of the first draft pick as they are still ahead of Jacksonville and Houston. Uh, they're only ahead of those teams by a half a game because of the tie against Pittsburgh. So if they if the Lions end up winning another game, uh, they will lose the number one pick because Houston, most likely Houston and Jacksonville aren't going to win too many games down the stretch, but they also play each other. So one one will eliminate themselves by from the number one overall draft pick consideration. Uh, just by winning a game, somebody's got to win unless they tie, I guess. Um, that, that, I guess that would work in the Lions' favor, but who knows? So the, the, such is the life of a Lions fan where now I'm, I'm worried about what's next in that I don't want them to win any win any more games. I can celebrate this one, but I'm dreading, <laughs> dreading another victory, which is an awful position to be in. Uh, next week they've got Denver coming up. Then they have Arizona. They still have Green Bay on their on their schedule. So yeah, I don't get too yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, think I'm you not, have a lot to worry about. Not too you, worried about it. So you just got to be more worried about making sure those. Uh, hopefully, some of those other teams win like another game or two just to make it a little, you know, a little well, more airy. There. And that's what's nice about Houston and Jacksonville being in the same division. They still play each other one more time, so one of them is going to help somehow help the lions. And even if the lions do end up with a number two pick, that's, you know, obviously not, not ideal, but it's, it's not, it's not bad. Cause right now it's kind of a, a toss up between Aiden Hutchinson and uh, Thibodeau from Oregon. So, and that may change drastically uh, over, over this off season. We'll see, but so I'm not dreading it as much uh being number one or number two necessarily. It'd, it'd certainly be better by definition be number one, but we'll see uh, somehow things have a way of playing out against the lions one way or the other. So I don't hold out much hope. Uh, whatever happens, it's, it's going to fail somehow because <laughs> that's the history of the lions. But I guess I got to have a little hope that things work out. And if you get the number one pick uh, that's got to help a little bit. So we'll be paying, paying close attention to that here on out. I, you know, although you know they're going to Denver this weekend, I'm not impressed with Denver in any way, and I could I could see them how somehow fucking things up, and and uh, handing the Lions a victory somehow as improbable as that sounds. Uh, I'm not sure the last time the Lions won in Denver, but 
as we've seen from other matchups this season, it's usually been several decades since they've won at an AS, AS, or an AF, AFC's team's home field. So uh, we'll, we'll find out this Sunday. Mercifully, that is all I have for the Lions this week. Uh, you know, it's essentially, like I said, we won. It felt like we won the Super Bowl for a moment there. Uh, that we have such such uh, few things to celebrate. When we do celebrate, we celebrate like motherfuckers. So, thanks for bearing with me for, yeah, for that. Uh, we it, can... it, it, it was <laughs> one one reason to celebrate the Lions' uh, victory, and an, another reason to to be depressed about the uh, Lions victory, but more on that in a few minutes. Ah, nice tease. As, as my hatred for the Lions is, is starting to build again. It's yeah, been a long time since I've had any hatred towards the Lions, but it's, it's really building. It's really what, building this season. That's what gambling with a with Honolulu blue and silver will do to you. It sure will. But uh, speaking of blue and uh, blue and silver, oh, uh, how about nice. a little uh, eight and four Cowboys action as they went into New Orleans, their third game in twelve days, um, and they snuck out with a victory. They pulled out a victory. Their defense took over the game, I guess is the best way to say it, because their offense continued to have struggles. Um, doesn't uh, – so many so many things to talk about on the offense. I, I don't know if it's, if it's just the play calling, the lack of confidence in the offensive line now to get off the ball and, and get the running game going, but – in all their victories, except for this last one, the Cowboys have won those games by kind of dictating the pace of the game. And they, dic- they, they, they decide when they're running and when they're passing and one playing off the other. But in this recent string of games where, where they've lost uh, two out of three in, in, in that 12-game period and, and their other losses in, on the year... Um, except for that Tampa Bay game, it just, it just didn't work out for them that game. But the, the other, the other three losses, um, it, it all, it all came down to becoming pass happy in those games and getting away from the run. And you might go and look at the, you might go and look at the stats from the new Orleans game and say, Hey Pete, they ran the ball fine, but, there was a 56-yard rush for a touchdown by Pollard, and there was a end around by uh, I think it was Cedric Wilson for um, uh, not Cedric Wilson. He wasn't playing. Uh, one of the one of the one of the backup wow. receivers, oh. um, wideouts that was for like 33 yards. That was the the bulk of of the rushing there. Hmm. Now Zeke had 45 yards, but it was on, hmm. you know, it's not where you're looking for out of Zeke. Four, 14 attempts. That's a, a two yard per carry average. Isn't, isn't he's are like at three yards per carry, which is what he's been averaging over these games. That's not Zeke numbers. He's more of a five yards per, yeah. per carry guy. Is he hurt? Uh, what, what's going yeah, on? Yeah. He's him? got a knee. He's got a knee okay. issue. Um, but it, if it is bothering him to that degree, you have a, an able back in Pollard. There's right. no reason for him not to take over the lion's share of the snaps. You don't have to keep Zeke completely out of the game, um, but let Pollard get get the. You know, it's kind of like that thunder and lightning thing. Pollard's the lightning, and, and Zeke's the thunder. So I love that shit. And and it 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 works. You know, when when you have two running backs that have different styles like that, it 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 takes the defense gets thrown off by it because in, in Pollard's touchdown, they literally did not realize how fast he was. And the defender taking the angle <laughs> like slowed up yeah. thinking he was going to slow up and make the move. And Pollard just ran right past them. Like it was, it was ridiculous. And right into the end zone. He just yeah, kind of right in the end zone. Right in. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it, was, it was, it was hilarious. And, um, you know, it, it was, it, it was, I was happy the Cowboys won because the NFL, unlike college football, there's no style points in the NFL. A win's a win. Yeah. 
Well, um, I saw you have you now have an eighty nine percent chance of winning the division. Um, and if you win this Sunday, you've got probably 90, goes to a hundred percent. Yeah, I think it's ninety eight percent. So yeah, and and this is the game. You know, this is the game that has been circled on the calendar after they started losing some games because Washington's been winning uh, a lot of games. Um, in fact, I believe they won four in a row. It is. Um, but part of the reason this game has been circled on the calendar is this is the game, which I mentioned last week and it's a go. We're going to have a hundred percent functioning defense. And you saw Demarcus Lawrence in limited play wreak havoc last week uh, in, in new Orleans. And you saw Micah Parsons continue his campaign for rookie of the year, maybe even defensive player of the year. I mean, he leads the league He's tied for the league with 16 tackles for a loss. Wow. That's tied for number one. He's number 10. Um, uh, he's number eight in, with 10 sacks. I think that's funny about that. That's coming out of the linebacker position. So, um, you know, most of your sack leaders are normally someone on the, on the defensive end. So, but this week against the uh, football team, the Cowboys get, Randy Gregory's back. Uh, as I mentioned last week, Gillimore will return to the defensive line. And for the first time this entire season, the front four will be the starting front four for the Cowboys. Wow. So um, that allows Micah Parsons now to legitimately line up wherever, like Dan, Dan Quinn now has the, the assortment of weapons at his disposal to have Parsons coming out of whatever slot he wants him to come out of. And that is going to cause a lot of issues for all the teams going forward. So if this defense stays healthy, this you want to be healthy going into December and into the playoffs, not healthy at that front half of the year and then have these injuries late. So hopefully the Cowboys have gotten the injuries out of the way and this – you know, after playing those those three games in 12 days, they've had a 10-game layoff to get healthy. So you'll have Amari Cooper back at 100%. He was only used in about, I think, 50% of the plays even because mm-hmm. um, he was not in – he was still having breathing issues. Um, from COVID. From COVID. So, wow. I didn't hear um, about that. That's so tough. He had, he had a re, he's reconditioning. You know, he spent a lot of time conditioning over these 10 days to get back into game shape. But I, uh, I see the Cowboys uh, running on all cylinders and, and taking uh, the football team uh, uh, for a loss at home in the football field of the football team. <laughs> and I'm just going to try to say football as many times as possible. I feel like the the Redskins name has officially died. Like we we don't make that mistake anymore. I don't hear many people make that mistake anymore. I think I think football team is is one hundred percent caught on. It almost makes you think they they might keep that. I've heard, you know, they're still trying to rename the team, but it's it's caught on. I I think people fucking love it. I think they should remain football team. Why not at this point? Because (laughs) how hard. There, there were so many low-hanging fruit options in in Washington to to name the team, to 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 take this amount of time, and and uh, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's football team going forward. Football team that or the pigskins. I thought that would have been great. But... <laughs> that would have been good. <laughs> um. So yeah. So I I think the Cowboys go to nine and four and and take a three game lead in that division. I think I think Philly is not. A, a very good team and no. i think jalen hurst has not that great of a quarterback so um i think they're they're not really an issue i think really it's it was it's about beating washington they play washington two two times over the next three games so um win one of those and you're well on your way to securing the division um but that's really all I have on, on the Cowboys this week. Um, I guess it's time for upset specials, which I took oh, yeah. a week off because I didn't like anything. So Smitty and I decided to do an experiment. Yeah, Since- I think by by definition, if this was my hypothesis last week, if by nef- by definition there weren't any upsets, any uh, underdogs that you wanted to 
that you thought had a chance to to win or beat the spread by definition all you were going to pick all favorites so i thought we should put our money where our mouth is yeah so we put uh five dollars each big spenders <laughs> down on on a 14 team parlay because of bye weeks um and we picked we we made it a little more difficult on ourselves because we're greedy we wanted seventy four thousand dollars and some change so instead <laughs> of going with just picking because because normally with the upset special, because it's an upset, I say you can just take the team straight up without the points, which is usually, a, that's a much bigger payout. Mm-hmm. So that, that's my idea of an upset Why special. Why are we gambling if we're not looking for the biggest payout? That's, so that's since we were looking for the bigger payout, because we're greedy motherfuckers, we decided to take not only the favorites, but we were going to use the negative points we had to uh, put up against them. And let me just say that it was ruined once by uh first by the lions yeah that didn't last long don't don't count on the lions to to help you in any way for anything even in victory they will fuck you up so then it was also ruined um by cincinnati but that Mm. took a little longer because that that game uh that game was going down to the wire at one point and then or Cincinnati was looking like they were mounting a comeback and the game just kind of went on forever, even though they never got really within striking distance. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were screwed at that point. The most comical portion was how, if I had just blindly picked one of the one, I had, I had a, I had a 75% chance of picking an upset special correctly by picking one of the teams in the second game that was an underdog because three out of the four second game teams, uh, the afternoon games, won. It was oh, wow. it was just stupid. <laughs> um, but kind of knowing that there was no way Smitty and I were going to win that parlay, I decided to hedge my bets. And, oh. and I went with a nine-team parlay of $5 <laughs> for a $3,500 payout, which I got eight out of nine right. Oh, boy. You know which one? one I got wrong? Oh, no. The Detroit Lions. No! What are you doing? The oh, Lions. The fucking Lions. I have a tie this year uh, on yeah. straight up bets. That's courtesy <laughs> of the Lions. And now I was looking at 3,500 simoleons in the, oh. in the face. I was staring it down. And what are you doing? Uh, you only I have yourself. I, I'm, I'm officially off the Lions for any betting going forward. <laughs> Even though I, again, we're doing this in more of a fun way, and I'd still do it weekly in a fun way. I only spend about five or ten bucks yeah, a week. Not, it's not like it's not like a an issue or anything. But uh, you do put do. your money where your mouth is on these upset specials. Yeah, so whatever money that happens to be. I am back this week mm. with an upset special. Oh shit! And the Lions in Denver. The Lions are not involved in it, nor will they be. <laughs> Although I could be tempted. It could be tempted later in the year. Never <laughs> Don't say do never. It. Don't never do say it. never. But I'm going with a big one. A plus 410. That mm. means that oh, means five, five bucks there just get, gets you a 20 uh, just for, for five or there. Ten, you're up to 41 bucks. Um, mm. you get actually 20, 50 to be exact. But I'm going with the Giants over the Chargers because I think the Chargers are one of the most overrated teams in the NFL. They nearly pissed away a a game they had in hand. Their defense is not good. The Giants got Saquon Barkley back. Mm. I think they're going to get the running game going. They're going to kind of control the clock in that game, and they're going to win. They're just going to win the game outright. They're also getting 10 and a half points, which they are going to more than cover this week. So, wow. There you go. Giants over the Chargers. Plus Saquon, 410. Saquon Barkley is back this week. That's a Yeah, he came back last week actually. Okay. So that's a big deal for fantasy, of course. You you're not he's not on your fantasy team, is he? No, no. Okay. That's good cuz I think we're facing off this weekend in our fantasy league. Oh, well, that means Ryan's team, Smitty's team, is going to drop 250 points or something <laughs> stupid like that. <laughs> I think it was 300, which yeah, doubles the average. Yeah. <laughs> I do not have the uh, Derrick Henry available, unfortunately, this week. Yeah, like a V Derrick Henry. Yeah, so... <laughs> 
Uh, we'll see how that plays out between your inglorious bastards and my surrender cobras. I'm um, in fifth right now. Where are you? Sitting? I moved up to second ah. this week, uh, but so I would still have a shot. So you have four losses, and I've got five, right? I think so. Yeah, I yeah. believe that's how that. How We're that all like within a game of each other, and then there's just complete shit underneath me. Yeah, yeah. Everyone I, else, it, it, it's very lopsided. I got to look up. I don't even know how the playoffs work in ours. Like how many teams make it? Cause you can't find anything on fucking Yahoo site. I, I still have never figured that out, but I'm an ESPN guy, I guess, but we'll, um, we'll give you the results of that tough matchup after this weekend. Uh, I think we can wrap up this episode unless you had anything else. No, I think it's that time. All right. Well, we're going to call that an episode, episode number 28. You can find us on the web at Limp Ditka's. We have all sorts of merchandise available for the holidays. Uh, get the kids a deranged Aaron Rodgers t-shirt, hoodie, or uh, coffee mug. We have all sorts of SOL, same old lion shit up there. We've got some uh, Spartans merchandise. We've got some Notre Dame stuff up there and a little bit of Cowboys stuff. All fun for the family. <laughs> Probably not too family friendly, but whatever. Buy some shit. It's <laughs> the holidays. So. It's the holidays. You can find us on social media at Limp Ditkas. You can find us uh, anywhere you'd like to find a podcast. You can find this podcast. So with that, I'm going to say this is Dagger Time. We out. Peace. Peace. Yeah.